Welcome to So What Else. My name is Caitlin Elliott and I love talking to people. I love hearing people's stories, the big important things they've been through, and also the random stuff. We're going to talk about it all here. This podcast is just me talking with fascinating people so that we can all hear what they have to share with the world. So what else? Hey guys, this week on the pod, we have John and Carrie Cords. They are great friends of ours. They're phenomenal people. We're so thankful they came on to share the story of how three of their children join their family through foster care and adoption. It's an amazing story. They also lean into talking about some of the challenges they have had to navigate being white and raising black children. And at the end, they drop some really good parenting advice for people with older kids. It's really awesome. So hey, if you also want to see a really cute family picture of these people, head over to our Instagram, which is at so.what.else, and you can check that out. Stay tuned. All right, welcome to this week's episode of So What Else. Today I have two guests with me today. I have John and Carrie Cords. So why don't you guys say hey and introduce yourselves? Why don't you go first, my love? Oh, wow. Yes. Well, how nice. <laughs> we were just talking about how John forgets to introduce me. To <laughs> um, my name is Carrie. Uh, I was, I'm not from New Jersey, I'm originally from Indiana. Spent a good chunk of time in Miami, Florida. So I'm still consider myself a Florida girl at heart. But we've been here almost 20 years and we've been married for 23 this year. Wow. Wow, that's crazy. I, know, <laughs> I didn't even realize you weren't a Jersey native. No. Do you I, hate I, us? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I fit in better here, I think, than I did in the Midwest. I tend to be a little bit of a straight shooter. That I like it. So it's very Jersey, but it's not so much Midwest. So I belong here. It's Jersey. Oh, that's good. I love it. I love it. <laughs> and you do Upstage by Carrie, right? I do. I have my own business that I started uh, five years ago. I do some real estate staging, getting houses ready to sell, and that kind of uh, spurred off into like a little um, interior styling, interior design. Your stuff is amazing. Thank you. We will link to it in our show notes, your your Instagram page, because it's like amazing. I was looking at even just yesterday and I was like, ooh, I want to steal that. Since the pandemic started. Yeah. Everyone's home. It's not a lot of space for creativity, but mm. it's getting better. Yeah. What about you, John? Well, Who so are you? Most, most people don't realize this, but I am the actual design creative person behind Upstage by Carrie. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> totally kidding. I don't even know my colors. So. <laughs> and she, she will literally bring things into the house that I don't even notice are there, like new light fixtures she'll install, and I don't even know the difference. <laughs> so, Good for you that yeah. you do install all that. I need his help. I know it might take me six or eight weeks. Yeah. Good for you. Uh, so I am John and uh, I am a uh, formerly a pastor at Liquid Church, uh, campus pastor there for six years. Um, I am a Jersey native, grew up in uh, Middlesex, New Jersey. Uh, so, you know, Somerville area was kind of like my home home area but this woman and I uh, my bride we met at Taylor University out in Indiana uh, which when I first got out there I was like what have I done because I'm sure like seriously there's corn everywhere you yeah look, and it was too much so yeah but uh yeah so there you go I love it so you said formerly a yeah. liquid church campus pastor tell us what is the story here Scott hasn't stopped crying 
for the last <laughs> several weeks. I know it's it's uh, <laughs> so yeah. Carrie and I and our family we we were a part of Liquid Church for 15 years. Mm -hmm. uh, we were actually there before they you know like we kind of launched out on their own and did their their own thing. And uh, I stepped into a campus pastor role back in 2015, mm -hmm. and uh, just kind of felt like over the years that God had been calling me out. Mm -hmm. um, to do something new, to do something different, uh, really kind of focus more on the local church and mm -hmm. having an impact in the local community. I want to be for Somerville and, mm -hmm. um, you know, kind of embrace uh, kind of a new a new path that God's been calling me on. And, you know, fairly recently, just really maybe two months ago, he really mm -hmm. started to release me to do this next thing, this new thing that he's calling me into. So I'm uh, still working out all the details, the, mm -hmm. you know, what this thing is going to be, uh, but I'm excited to get to get started. That's awesome. Carrie, how do you feel about it? Uh, <laughs> Great question. <laughs> I I am super excited. Yeah. I think it is what John was made for. It's mm -hmm. really wonderful to see him um, stepping into something that will use all of his gifts and talents. Um, mm -hmm. So that's really neat. But the other side of it is it's you know, super scary. Yeah. Oh yeah. Change super. is scary, but that's awesome. I mean, you guys, we're so happy for you. You guys are going to be amazing. Like I said, Scott is going to be yeah. so sad because you and Scott started as campus pastors, like within like a month of each other, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And then they got married. They're like, husband. <laughs> he, he is my work husband. That is, that is for sure. It uh, is. So Scott will be like, pick up the phone and Jace, my four-year-old will be like, daddy, is that John? <laughs> <laughs> And I think she's met you in the flesh. What once? Yeah. <laughs> um, I think I think a, a couple of times. And she was like super small. Yeah. You know, so, but yes, she knows she knows me. <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, so you guys met in college. Yeah. Yes, we did. Out in Indiana, and John, you immediately knew it was not for you. I knew Indiana was not for me. That's for sure. I, I wondered what the heck am I doing out here? Why would I, God? Why would you tell me I'm supposed to be there? Mm -hmm. Because. Um, yeah, it was not awesome. <laughs> the school is great. I love the college, you know, the, the, the education, even some of the community, but the area was just not, not awesome. Different. Yeah. So what, so did you guys get married like in college? Like how did you make the move back to Jersey? So fun story. We met John. I went overseas for a semester and had to come back for a fifth year. Oh. And I was... I went on the spring semester of my senior year. Okay. I wasn't able to walk with my class because I couldn't right. uh, take the courses that I needed. So, I, yeah, I had to come back for one more semester. Fifth year senior. And I... He doesn't like to call it that. <laughs> A super senior. Super senior. Super senior. That's yeah. right. <laughs> I was on the path to complete my degree in three years. Oh. Um, so the opposite. Yes. So he came back. We met. We were engaged four months later, and we got married six months after that. Oh and my gosh! I was nineteen, and he was uh, twenty-three. And okay. I finished my third year, my last year of college, while we were married. So your daughter Sadie is how old? She's like eighteen, right? She's turning twenty. She's turning to okay. So how would you feel if she? Yeah, she's the age right now that I was when I got married, and I she talks about it all the time. Like, don't be dumb. <laughs> we're really glad it worked out for us, but I don't. We understand that that's not normal. We we look at them now, and you know, and Sadie's amazing. She is, she's more mature than I am. More mature uh, than you. 
Both were. <laughs> well, no, she's more mature than I am now. No. <laughs> <laughs> she's uh, she's definitely smarter. So she has a lot a lot going for her. But man, I look at her and I'm just like, what were we thinking? Getting married at that age, I don't know. you know? What were, our, what were our parents thinking blessing that union <laughs> that totally great. no but it's so fun we just like had the interview with scott's sisters and like his sister tyanne got married when she was i think a junior or senior in college same thing like a, you know like a lot of people yeah and hey look they're still married they just hit 25 years yesterday we say that we grew up together we sure did exactly i love that so you guys moved back to jersey married and you had three kids yep after we had our first uh baby sadie um, and then we had Lane two years later, and then we had Ansley four years after that. All right. And so then around 2009, how old was Ansley at the time? One. Okay. So you had a one-year-old. She, she was almost two. Almost two. But yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So an almost two-year-old and two other children. Yep. And you, Carrie, were like, I kind of feel like I want to adopt. Yeah. So we had always wanted a boy. Uh, right. That was something that was on the table, and we tried for our <laughs> third we had, time. We had hoped it was on the table. We had hoped. Right? <laughs> so Ansley was our try, and um, she was a girl. I had really terrible pregnancies. I knew I didn't mm. be pregnant again. I actually asked my doctor to write a note to tell John that I couldn't get pregnant ever again. <laughs> she couldn't do it. Um, so I knew I, I didn't want to be pregnant. Yes. Um, and I was actually at my sister-in-law's house. John's parents have a ministry down in the Dominican Republic. And they had been down there the week before. And there was an infant little boy left on a bus. Oh. And someone had taken a picture. And it was circulating around the, the ministry group. And I saw it and just thought, like, we could do that. Mm -hmm. That would be a solution to this. And so that's really the first thought I had about maybe maybe this is something we should pursue wow uh, and came home and talked to john about it and which um i was not yeah, what were you page. like <laughs> <laughs> not on the same page oh. the way that i recall the story of her telling me was uh you know i was in our family room watching a game uh of some sort probably the yankees and um she comes in the room and you know she was cool calm and collected about it mm -hmm. uh, i would imagine you just didn't know what i was going to do or how i was going to respond so i'm just watching the game and she comes in and she is like hey i want to you have do you have time to talk i'm like sure of course so she sits down she's like i feel like um I, the way that she worded it as i recall was i feel like we can do more that god is calling us to do more i'm like okay i don't know what that means but you know whatever right. uh she's like i feel like God's calling us to adopt a boy. And I just remember thinking, you, I'm pretty sure you said it out loud. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't a thought. It was but something like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? No. I honestly, like, just even the fact, I didn't even realize that your daughter was not even two yet. Like you had a baby and two other kids. Like, I give you so much credit that you were like, you know what I think like we should do is like bring another one into the mix. <laughs> like half the time, I only have two kids. Like I have a two-year-old and a four-year-old and half the time I'm like, 
who gave us two kids? Like, why? Like, this, what, we don't, we can't handle these children. The third was really easy. She was super easy. And so okay. I think that's probably part of the reason. Like, I knew if we were going to continue to grow our family, we needed to do it sooner than later. Right. She was, you know, almost two. And I didn't want, like, a 10-year gap. So, yeah, it was crazy. I do remember John saying at one point, you have, we can't, you can't even handle the three that we have. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh. Oh, I have my no my comment. <laughs> but, but I believe I did. <laughs> that is amazing. So it was a hard no. Um, and we brought it up. I brought it up over and over, you know, intermittently. Obviously, you can't go to the Dominican Republic and get a little baby. That's not how it works. You just don't just walk over. Okay. Yeah. So You don't go to, like, the baby mall. Yeah. So, right. Uh, that's not how it works. I kept bringing it up and praying about it. And I just felt really like this is what we're supposed to do. But John was not budging at all. Mm. And this went on for about a year. We must have our timeline wrong. But it was about a year and a half of praying about it because yeah. um, we sat down with a spiritual leader in our life at the time and to talk to them about it because I was starting to feel uh, more of a strain. and. Mm -hmm. And the person um, suggested, because John and I were not on the same page, mm -hmm. that we should put a pin in it and pause. And okay. Actually, what he said was, you, sh you guys should not do this. Yeah. You should not adopt a child. Oh, yeah. wow. So how did that feel for you to hear that from like... Yeah, it was um, surprising. But I will say, we walked out of the meeting and looked at each other. And that's when John said... Like we both just felt like, no, that's not, that's actually not, that can't be right. Mm. Um, okay. And it was soon after that, that John said, if God's truly asking you to do this, like you're saying, I'm not going to be the one to stand in the way of God doing something. Oh. Um, but it was really that conversation that like pivoted us to, yeah, oh, yeah I think that we, we need to do it. That's really crazy that like you sat down with someone and they were like, don't do this, which, and that's what spurred you on to do it because you realized like, no, the idea of not doing it isn't sitting well. Correct. And, and, um, I really felt like, you know, this is biblical, like yeah, it, it's written there to care for the orphans and the widows. So I just, when hearing someone say, don't do it, it just triggered something yeah. that like, no, we're absolutely going to do it. Yeah. And for me to, to up, up until that point. Uh, and he was a pastor. Um, so, you know, we, we considered those words, you know, very carefully. Yeah. And, and but prior to that point, I was thinking more in terms of how, how would bringing new kids into our home affect our life, mm -hmm. our lifestyle? Mm -hmm. um, you know, how can we afford an extra child? How can we yeah. feed them, clothe them? Do we have the right vehicles? Like all the, yes. and I'm not, no, and I'm not, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And I'm not a very practical thinker always. I, I tend yeah. to think more with my heart, with more with, with vision, with uh, big picture in mind. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm, I'm more of a glass half full kind of person. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, something about just, I kind of, I'd come to terms with not having a boy. Mm -hmm. I, I love our three girls. And so I'd, I'd come to terms and made peace with the fact that God has just called me to be a daddy to, to girls. And, right. uh, and, and I was okay with it, but something in that conversation just like a, it almost like flipped a switch. Um, yeah. And it probably had something to do with like our, 
<laughs> maybe our defiant nature, like, oh, you're telling me I can't do that, I shouldn't do that? Well, now we got to really think about this, you know. Um, but yeah, that's when I kind of came to the conclusion that, like, man, if God is really calling my wife, whom I love more than anybody, to yeah. to do this thing, if it's truly a calling, like, man, how, who am I to get in the way of that? Who am I to, to stop that and um, just simply say no to it, you know? So I really started to pray mm -hmm. a different kind of prayer, which was more, God, change my heart, change... Mm -hmm change my my viewpoint change my heart on, on on this and he did and you know he really kind of turned me upside down and i think in many ways i actually became kind of the champion wow <laughs> that's really cool i remember hearing you say one time when i heard you speak about this how like you started to kind of think about it like instead of saying okay god like give me love for like a kid out there it was like help me to love carrie better like as my wife who i love more than anything and she feels called to this and like God kind of then brought like your hearts kind of into alignment. I think that's really cool. Yeah, it's so true. Cause I, I was thinking more about lifestyle and kids and yeah, and I, and I did, I'll be honest with you. And, and I, I think this is true for a lot of people who go through the adoption process. Some of the, those main questions that I was asking was, I love my girl so much. Could I ever possibly yeah. love another person's child? the yeah. same as much like how how is that going to work in our family um i love these kids so much how can i possibly do that uh and you're right yeah that, that was a huge part of it was realizing no my job is to love her yeah first and foremost above and beyond everybody else including our kids um and that was kind of a defining i um, love that that's really okay so you get on the same page and then you decide like okay like we're gonna do this we're gonna pursue yeah. this so how did you decide like okay are we gonna pursue like foster to adopt or like overseas or like i know there's like a lot of ways you could go about it yeah so at the time um i was i kind of had a picture for what this child looked like mm -hmm. and it was a hispanic little boy that's mm -hmm. just what i thought i don't know it's probably the baby on the bus but that yeah. was the baby. Mm -hmm. at the time guatemala was open for adoption with the united states i did my <laughs> research and we met with an international adoption agency just to have our first meeting, talk about what it looked like uh, to do an international adoption, the home study process. And we both walked out of that meeting uh, a little unsettled. Like it just, something didn't feel completely right and we weren't sure. Um, and then uh, a friend of mine suggested we look into foster to adopt. Now at the time, uh, the state used to have kids in two different tracks. Um, one is the adoption track and one is the foster track. They don't, I don't think they do that anymore. Okay. But it was pitched to us that there are kids that are free for adoption right now in New Jersey and we should look into it. Um, and so the next step for that was to take a class by the state of New Jersey um, where we went and there were other prospective parents there. They yeah. showed us a video talked about some of the scenarios that you would get, um, their need for foster parents in New Jersey. There are, um, at least 10 years ago, there were over 7,000 kids in foster care in New Jersey alone. Just Whoa. New Jersey. Yes, yeah. there is a, under, uh, an overwhelming need for resource homes, mm. which are foster homes. There just aren't enough. And yeah. I think that's oftentimes why you see foster parents that have yeah. seven, eight, nine, I mean, 
you do it and you know the need and it's it's hard yeah. to say no yeah. so yeah and, and and just to kind of provide a little little backstory there too is you know when we when we went to the the private adoption uh, organization <clears throat> we didn't walk we didn't walk away thinking that there was something wrong with them or that they're yeah, doing yeah. It the wrong way we just both together felt a lack of peace in that process mm -hmm. and just felt like okay so we're we're here but we're not really feeling it but we know that we're supposed to do this that God is calling us to do it so what do we do next and the friend that recommended uh, foster care I know my first reaction was well no way man that like that that's where all the trouble is that's where all the mm -hmm. troubled kids are you know I mean I've seen the news stories about these homes and whatnot like but surely surely that's not us mm -hmm. that's not for us um, but it kind of set the stage for a lot of how we've operated most of our of our lives certainly our married life together mm -hmm. um, which is if we truly believe that God is calling us to do something we will always be willing to take the first step yeah um, you know just go through that first door see what it's all about and that was that class and we both felt the same way yeah it broke our hearts yeah it, and basically it confirmed what we were feeling at the private adoption was everybody wants a baby the babies are hard yeah. to place they they were very upfront with us you're probably not going to get a baby babies go easily with other people right but look at all these kids we have these kids and nobody mm. wants them mm. so that's that broke us yeah we thought well i'm not i mean i didn't want a baby because i wanted a baby right i wanted a child so yeah, yeah. so we okay. both we both felt a peace yeah. walking out of there we both we actually both i think right in the parking lot we both said so that's what we're supposed to do yeah wow that's really cool all right so then you left that you felt like all right we're gonna foster to adopt now originally so then when you started the process don't they have you like fill out like a thing like what kind of kid do you want like boy girl age blah 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 like how did that go yeah it was about a 200 page book <clears throat> and that's like exactly and in the book uh, was basically a list of anything that a child could have wrong with them would be we willing willing yes or no down to like would you be willing to have a child with a missing hand with a missing arm with a missing like things hand? you would never think of no yeah just literally listed everything everything you could think of and it was really draining and emotional yeah have to sit there and think would we would we take a child mm. with special needs would we take right. a child in a wheelchair would we take a child with extreme medical needs yeah. and it was um oh. a terrible process <laughs> did you yeah i mean yeah. Ugh, like did you feel like you were on the same page while you were filling that whole thing out like yeah. yeah i did i mean we had kind of talked to say you know we we know our parameters, we know mm -hmm. our giftings, we know we have other kids in the house. So we were really looking to pr protect them too. Of course. Um, so we didn't set our sights on being a high needs home. There are special mm -hmm. homes that are for kids who need yes. more care. Um, we, you know, put our track the other way. Yeah. But it was still um, a really heartbreaking process. Yeah, we were pretty open to whomever though. Uh, we really we really actually didn't put a lot of parameters around it. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Really what we what we ultimately said, we just, we said we wanted some, uh, we wanted a child boy, mm -hmm. preferably, uh, three to four years of age, because we wanted to protect our natural birth order. Okay, yeah. 
that the oldest would always say the oldest and our youngest would say the youngest. Yeah. Um, so we thought we'd just kind of fill in the. <laughs> so the how old was your youngest at this time? So she was two at this time. Yeah. Okay. But you knew like, okay, like by the time this all goes through, blah, blah, blah. We yeah. would like for her to stay the youngest. Yeah. Okay. So um, tell me about, so I know you guys started the process and then you got a whole bunch of calls. Yeah, it took about six months from the time we went to the class for our home study to go mm -hmm. through. So that included visits from caseworkers. They went through our house. There were things that we had to do to prepare our house um, to be up to state standards. Mm -hmm. Millions of questions. I mean, the most invasive questions you can imagine. Really? They wanted to know like who our first sexual partner was. <laughs> And you're like, what does it have to do with this? Like, we're married. Yes. No, it was nuts. That's it was, crazy. It was a lot. So um, it was about six months. We got our license in September. And we had asked that they not call us until school start. I wanted to right. get Sadie was going to um, first grade full day for the first time. And I was yeah, like, yeah. give me a couple of minutes. And then mm -hmm. if she gets in school, you can start calling us. And so they did. They started calling and we would get a call. I think it was 11 different calls. It was 11 kids. Yeah. It was 11 kids. We we would get a phone call and they would ask us, would we be willing to do this scenario? Um, a 12-year-old and a 4-year-old. I remember the first one. His name, was, his name was Isaiah was the first kid. Okay. I remember uh, I was driving around. Carrie calls me up. I pull over, pull into a parking lot. And she's like, hey. They have a they have a boy for us. It's Isaiah. He's, I think he was like four or five years old. Uh, should we do it? And we said absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So that's how the process worked. They yeah. would call. They would give me all the stats. I would hang up. I would call John. Right. We would talk about it. Um, I don't. We, we would never say yes. Said no. <laughs> we said yes every time. And there yeah. were a, a wide range of kids. There were sibling groups. Lots of sibling groups that they called us about. Um, and by the time I would call back or the caseworker would call me back in response to mine, they had been, they had found a family member and wow. they found somebody else. And so, or they went back to their home. Yeah. Or they had, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So they would line people up in case they couldn't find somewhere for the kids to go. So I now see. I know that, but I did not know that at the time. It was just, we were always in hype alert. Like I'm sure that was like. Oh, really hard on your emotion. Like just to like go like, okay, like go, get everything ready. And then it's like, no, he's not coming. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Like, uh, and then 11 times of that. Yeah. yeah. It was a lot of uh, running to stand still, you know, like run, yeah. run, 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 nothing, yeah. <laughs> you know. Did you ever kind of feel like, did we like mishear God? Like, are we not supposed to do this? Or were you like, no, we're going to stay the course. Like, I mean, I can tell you that I, I had a couple of those moments, you know, because, yeah. you know, you get excited and they start calling, you know, we were yeah. very excited about the process. We were talking to our girls about it and kind of building it up. And, you know, so one time, fine. Second time, okay. Third time, fourth time. Now yeah. it's starting to be like, okay, what's going on here? God, did we, like, seriously, did we misread this? Is right. this like, I thought it was supposed to happen. It was supposed to be perfect. I thought it was supposed to be easy. Right. Uh, and no, the answer was, was no. So not uh, yet. It's not yet. It's so interesting because it's like, you feel like, 
I'm sure like, okay, like we're doing this thing. Like we're doing this big thing, this step of faith. Like this is good. Like you said, it says in the Bible, like take care of the orphans. Like, and like, why is it hard? Like, shouldn't it just be like, we said we would do it. And then there's going to be a kid there the next day. And like it check, you know, but obviously that wasn't the story. So, all right. So that went on for a while. And then finally, October 18th, you got a call. Yes, we got a phone call um, that they had a placement that they wanted us to consider. It was a little boy who was seven. Um, his name was Malachi, and he's a bright and sunny kid. He loves sports. And, and most importantly, we guarantee that this one will come. And he, oh, okay. is, yeah, like we we have we're at the end of our rope um, for a placement for him, but. He has twin sisters that are six years old, and this sibling group has been together in their placement, um, and so they didn't want to separate them, but they had made phone calls all day, and no no one would take all three. Like, so, like I'm sweating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they're like, yeah, you, you know, you can have Malachi. Um, he does come with twin sisters. Um, you don't have to take all three, but if, right. if you if you say no, we're going to have to split these kids up. Yeah. Um, so. So, I mean, what was that conversation like between you guys? Uh, it felt <laughs> similar to the other ones. Which is, yeah, yeah. Insane. What is happening? Yeah. But, okay. I mean, if this, if they're supposed to come, they're supposed to come. Yeah. What we used to always tell each other was, um, if God is truly calling us to do this, mm -hmm. uh, we can't cherry pick at the end and, yeah. you know, just, we want to avoid scenarios where we're, you know, we're trying to weed out the, you know, and, or, or find the, the perfect kid. It was like, you know, we're going to trust that God is going to see us through mm -hmm. and that whatever comes our way, he's going to prepare us for it. And he's going to provide for us. So we said, here we go. Let's go. Now at the time. So the twins were six, right? And then wasn't your daughter Lane six at the time? Yeah. So, uh, we call them virtual triplets. Right. Cause they're all in the same grade, right? Yeah, Were you worried about that? Or do you think, oh, this will be fun? I think I thought, I don't know what I thought. I, I think we thought that they fit yeah. within the confines of the birth order that we thought was so important at the time. Yeah. And I did not think about those. I don't remember. Yeah. It was more logistics. We had yeah. set up a house for one boy right. with two girls. We did, had not thought about that at all. Um, we had maybe thought like if there was one girl, we had maybe thought maybe two boys. But the yeah. way our rooms were set up, Sadie and Lane were sharing a room at the time. Yeah. The baby had her, you know, own nursery. And then yeah. our third bedroom, we had set up for a boy. So what do you do with two right. your kids? Um, the state has something to say about how much square footage each kid has. Really? So, yes, they do. Um, so we figured out that we had to move Ansley out of her nursery into our bedroom. That was allowed. And the twins took her tiny little nine by 10 bedroom, the two of them. Um, bunk beds. Bunk wow. bed. Yeah. And so Ansley was in our room for over a year. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. I want to get to that in a minute. So, okay. So tell me about the story of the day they got there. Like, so they called you, they said, okay, Malachi, the twins, you said yes. What had happened with their previous foster mom? 
So the phone call was, um, these kids have been in the system for a little while. Uh, they had been at a placement for the last 18 months. This woman was supposed to adopt them. They're in the adoption track. So after uh, 18 months in New Jersey, kids are supposed to either be reunited or be adopted. Okay. Well, every time they return to a family member, the clock resets. So mm. our kids had been in the system for going on four or five years, in and out. Oh. And then finally placed with this woman for adoption for 18 months. And uh, the reason that they needed us in an emergency was the foster mom had called that day and said, I'm, I'm done. I can't come, do it. Come get these kids. Come get them. So she got them ready for school and put them on the school bus and then took all their stuff and put it in bags and put it on the front porch and went to work. And that was that. Did she explain to them? Did they know? So they didn't even know they weren't going back there at the end of the day. Yeah, no. it, was, it was goodbye, like a normal day. I they, have chills. Yeah. Did you go to school? Um, Caseworkers show up at school and say, you can't go back to that house, but we have a place for you. And they have to go get, they have to go to the nurse and, or, uh, you know, the, the diaphus nurse, uh, get checked out, you know, oh. you know all, all that stuff. And, um, yeah. Terrible. So they, so the social worker, they, so they never said goodbye other than bye for school to their there foster mom. No closure, nothing. They just, just got on the school bus and never went home. Yeah. And they're six and seven years old. Yes. Yeah. And they had been there for a year and a half, called this woman mom. <sighs> yeah. Tragic. So the caseworker picks them up, puts them in the car whatever and is like but we're bringing you somewhere else and does she say like you're gonna stay here forever or is it like you're gonna be here for now like they had told us these kids were on their way to be adopted and so that was sort of like a sales point for us like hey oh, they're, yeah. they're gonna be free for adoption so you know it's a long-term placement um yeah. we never treated it like it was short term right and right the the thought was always that we would adopt them yeah um yeah. Wow. All right. So then what was it like when they showed up? So did they show up like the day that you got the call? Like they were there within a few hours? No. So we got the call on Monday. Okay. And they came Wednesday. They came and we said, yes, yes, Monday. So all that stuff with, you know, putting them on the bus, that all happened on Wednesday. Okay. Okay. Uh, and so here's how I remember it. It was October 20th, right? Nice day out. And, you know, we knew that they were coming. We knew approximately when they were going to get there. So I was outside in our backyard, uh, playing on the swing with, uh, Sadie and Lane, yeah. uh, our two older ones. And we're just waiting for them. Right. We're waiting for yeah. them to come down and we're just like high anticipation, high, sure. high energy. Uh, and what was cool is when the kids, when the minivan pulled into our driveway, our kids, Sadie and Lane ran across the yard, um, to go like meet them, introduce them. And it was, that was kind of a cool moment. Yeah. For... Malachi came springing out. Did to say hi, and um, slowly the the twins came out. One of them was crying. Yeah, she was so sad. And um, but it didn't take long. We had a lot of fun things to show them. We had gotten pizza, and I would yeah. say within an hour, I have a picture of them yeah. after dinner, um, all lined up in bikes with their bikes, Aww. smiling and playing. Yeah, I'm I'm convinced that Sadie and Lane running over there and yeah. welcoming them. 
like, kind of dragged him inside the house and gave him a tour and showed yeah. him the rooms and all that. I, I have to believe that that helped. Yeah. yeah. He, he that transition. All right. So it's Malachi and then it's Ariana and Ayana. Yes. Okay. And so the girls ran. And, oh, that's like, that's so sweet. Now, what did you explain to your kids? I mean, I'm assuming the baby was too young. Like, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Well, Sadie was eight and, and Lane was six. So, you know, we had talked about it the whole time. We had talked about a, a baby brother coming okay, and yeah. that we were going to foster in them and somebody was going to come live with us. And they were a hundred percent on board. They were excited. They mm -hmm. wanted us to do it. They wanted them to come. Um, but we, we had been talking about it throughout the whole process. Yeah. So this was, by the time they came, it was, it was fairly normal at least okay. in, their, in their heads, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So. Wow. All right. So then did you have time in that short amount of time you had when you found out they were coming to like get the room ready for twins? No, uh, <laughs> no. Like how could you pot? So you like ripped the crib out of there yep. and you're like, go. Okay. Yeah. They ended up, um, the state ended up getting us bunk beds because we oh, just nice. couldn't get them so quick. So they had those within a couple of days, yeah. but no, it was, it was chaotic for sure. The room swapping and the kids came with, you know, bags of, stuff um yeah my mother-in-law remembers walking in and there were just like bags sitting along the hallway <laughs> and yeah it was and so you the saw the amount of children you had doubled in yeah. one hour like we had three <laughs> now we have six that's right it was an instant play date i'm sure that was just so surreal it was um it was overwhelming <laughs> yeah oh my gosh i just I remember can't. looking at carrie and being like here we go. What this? <laughs> yeah. Go. So those first few days, I'm—I bet you were just running on adrenaline. Oh, Very yeah. much. Trying to do all the fun things that we possibly could. We're watching, yeah. you know, fun movies and bike rides and trying to be cool. Trying to be trying to be the cool people, you know. <laughs> totally, yeah. But wow. yes, yeah, it was a little bit like that. A little bit of a um, just crazy first couple of days. A, a whirlwind, you know. Yeah. So then what was the adoption process like? So you guys obviously wanted to adopt them. So yes. what is that process like? Like how long is that from when they came to when you officially were able to adopt? Well, several months after they came to us, um, the caseworker came and said that they had found a grandfather in Texas who was interested in taking them. And oh. so they actually got moved out of the adoption track with us and down back to a family reunification track. Pause, can I pause for a second? So when, when for, for anybody who doesn't know about the foster care system, specifically with the, with the respect to adoption, when you, when a child is in the foster care system, there's always dual tracks happening at the same time. Okay. Uh, the primary focus for the division, now it's called DCPMP, is reunification right. with biological family. Mm -hmm. So that's always their, their number one priority, but they always have to have the adoption um, part as, as the backup, right? Okay. Uh, so they're always, any, anytime any, any blood biological family are identified, um, they're always going to have to interview and, and go through the process. For our poor kids, though, it just reset the clock once again. So that 18 month thing starts over anytime? Oy. Yeah, anytime they were placed with them. So this just, okay. this just delayed everything because the, the um, department had to go through yeah. the proper channels. Yeah, yeah. To get through with the grandfather before we could move forward with our adoption. And so 
it was looking really good. They actually flew our kids down to meet him. They had never met him. Wow. So they flew the kids down for a week to meet him um, around Easter yeah. of that year. And then another time uh, over the summer, I believe. Mm -hmm. Was so that, that weird for you? It was very weird because we were coming up on a year of the yeah. kids being with us. Yeah. And it'd be like every time we would talk to the caseworker, they would either say, it looks like it's not going to work out with the grandfather. You know, he he didn't fill out this form or whatever. And then the next one would be, oh, we're planning a trip and it's the... We've got it's all the looking great and we good. have the documentation so it was it was they're staying and they're going and then they're staying and then they're going yeah. so he wanted them yeah yeah he did we also wanted them and we yeah. we felt bonded to the kids and the kids uh would go through these bonding evaluations and that was coming back as they were bonded to us yeah so we felt like it was in their best interest to be with us and of course it was just it was insane. Yikes. Now, did the kids ever express, like, I don't know how I feel about that? Like, did they kind of say what they wanted? Yeah, they don't have a say in court right? Um, with what Ugh. they want to do. But, yeah, they would get asked all the time. They were very bonded with us because yeah. we were very close. And, and now we're working on 18 months. And now yeah. we're you know, 20 months. and. Yeah. You know, time just kept going and every month that would go by, they would be more and more bonded yeah. with us and the process was still going on yeah. down in Texas. And so Yikes. it just was like a, a no win situation for anybody yeah. um, during that time. But we had a, um, oh shoot, what do you call it? The, the meeting, oh. not remediation. Mediation, mediation. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. We had yeah. a mediation meeting before a pretrial meeting. So it was decided that the court was going to have to decide where the kids went. And <sighs> we were going to go to mediation beforehand because court was going to be this whole process and they wanted to prepare us for it. That was coming up on the summer before they had been with us for two years. And it was right before Mother's Day and the grandfather had flown in. Um, bio mom was there. Oh, we were there. The kids were in another room and we had this big meeting with um, all of the caseworkers and the psychologists and all the reports and talking about what everyone thought was the best plan for the kids. And mom surrendered to yes. us wow. and it, in that meeting. She just had seen the love that we had for the kids and how oh. much the kids were loved and wanted the kids to be with her dad. She yeah. wanted that more than anything. Okay. And I, and I don't blame her, but I had right. seen that the kids were already connected yeah. with us and wanted to do what was best for them. Wow. And so that was mother's day. Yeah. So, oh, so wow. All right. So had you met her before or was that your first encounter with her? We had met her before, okay. yeah, briefly. Never really spent any time with her, but definitely. We would see we would see her. So every, I forget how often, maybe every six months, there was uh, a court date where it was more of a, like an update, right? Yeah. So both sides would not not us, nor, nor not the mom, um, but like you know, attorneys, caseworkers, yeah. they would basically give an update to the court as to where things were at with this court, with this case rather. Uh, so we would often sit out in the waiting room and. The biological mother would be there and we would often spend time sitting with her and wow. talking or whatever and uh yeah that was 
that was a very interesting season for for sure. That's interesting. Now, did the kids have contact with her when they were with you? Yeah, they had visitation every week. Oh, okay, okay. So they saw her and they loved her, but they knew that 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 was not the option. It was right. It was grandpa or the- yeah, yeah. But I got to tell you, Mom, that two and a half years, well, it was two, yeah. year, two years before mediation or before yeah. uh, she surrendered her rights. That two years, man, it was, it was insane. Like, I look back on it and there were easily as many days across those two years. There was easily as many days where we believed with extreme confidence that the kids were staying. Uh-huh. As many days as we thought they were they were leaving us meanwhile wow. our house was very uncomfortable we had one full bathroom oh and for all eight of us um oh and we couldn't do anything about it because we didn't know if they were staying like yeah. right fine for three little girls but with with six it was yeah a little a lot bit of kids easy. yeah it was uncomfortable those yeah. those were yeah. very uncomfortable. It was but un- you're right. It's like you're like well, we're, we're not gonna buy a new house if these yeah. kids are gonna leave like next yeah. month. It's like what are we doing? Yeah, my yes. uncle came and built us an outside shower so that we would have at least <laughs> like in- Jersey Shore style. It is in, at least in the warm months we yeah. had a bonus shower for kids. I love it. Hey, you gotta love a good outdoor shower. Scott was like when he moved here, he was like, "What the heck is an outdoor shower?" I'm like, "An outdoor shower? Are you kidding me?" Yeah, it became a punishment. No one liked it. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. I mean, I had an interview with Kate Doyle on this podcast way at the beginning, and she also they adopted their daughter through foster to adopt, and very different situation. But right up to the end, it was like they really thought Kenzie was leaving. You know what I mean? Like, it, like very, very crazy. Like up till the end, and it was just really, really, really stressful on them. Obviously. Yeah, logistically it was it was a challenge. Yeah, uh, buy a new emotionally car. it was a challenge. We had to buy a yeah. car. Yeah. Um, yeah, but just going through that day to day, not knowing what was going to happen next. So many highs and so many lows, and okay. it was, we've That's never been sick. on our knees more than that season because it was just sure. out of control. There was yeah. no, there was just nothing that we could do. Wow. No. So on Mother's Day was when yeah. she surrendered her rights. And yes. so then when did you get to officially adopt them? So there was still paperwork that had to be done okay. uh, from the biological father's point of view. Okay. But we ended up with, well, the court date kept getting pushed back and back and back. And so it wasn't until the following February. Oh my gosh. So it was two and a half years from start to finish. That wow. We were given a date. And I remember posting about it saying, do I even dare say this date out loud? <laughs> yeah. Um, because it's probably not going to happen, but it happened sure did yeah Uh, so i'm sure that's like a beautifully special day for your family every year oh yeah it was yes we call it adoption day we actually celebrate october uh gotcha day as a bigger day because that's the day they came and became a family the adoption was just a formality at that point okay Um, so it was it was a great day it was emotional and it had um some emotional ripples throughout yeah. the day that um, I didn't probably give enough credit to at the time that I saw later, but we were surrounded by lots of help and um, counseling yeah. and... You know what it felt like when we walked out of the courthouse uh, out on the sidewalk? It felt like a cloud mm-hmm. physically mm-hmm. had lifted from our family. I bet. Yeah. Oh. yeah, and having three kids in the system, my weeks were spent probably 10 to 15 hours a week 
in meetings with caseworkers or doctors or therapists wow. or specialists. And so for me, it was like huge. My whole, my whole life, yeah. like, ah, okay, ah, have some time. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it was a big deal. I had a huge bonfire with all the paperwork that we did. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I can't even imagine. All right. Okay. I mean, that's that's a beautiful story. So, all right, you officially adopt them. Now, you'd had them for, like you said, two and a half years. So obviously you'd been going through it. And like you already said, obviously a lot of logistical things were hard. You went from three kids to six kids in a small house with one bathroom and the girls are shoved in the nursery and then you still probably had the baby in your room. You're probably like, is this, is she going to be like 18? And like, like, is this, is this forever? <laughs> like, is there ever going to be an end? So I, that stuff obviously was hard. Something that we haven't talked about yet is that Malachi, Ariana and Ayana are black. Yes. So, and you guys are not. So what was that like? Like, did you, you know, like when they first came, were you just like, oh, it's like, fine. Like, we don't see color. This doesn't matter. Or were you aware of like, okay, like they're going to experience things in a way that like we haven't, or like, you know what I mean? Like they've been through things that we haven't because of the color of their skin. Or were you like keyed into that? We were, we were not thinking cultural. We were okay. thinking more, okay, yeah, they're black. They, they are going to look different from us. Um, um, I think we were actually more, more focused on the, on the adoption process, the fostering process, mm -hmm. um, recognizing that they were uh, a, a different race, but we really didn't pay much mind to that or much attention to that. I mean, except that. for hair. I learned all about hair. Oh my well, gosh, I'm sure. <laughs> so, but yeah, before they came, we really didn't think about it. And then <laughs> <Right>. the first, <laughs> the first night, uh, I will never forget. We were sitting in our living room. Um, was your sister there? I think your sister might've been there. Um, we're all sitting in the living room and I'm just watching Carrie and I'm pretty sure it was your sister uh, looking at YouTube videos for how to do the kid's hair. I bet. so very different than ours. Yeah, uh, totally. You have like three blonde, like yeah. straight hair. And then you're like, wait a minute. Yeah, <laughs> yeah literal opposite. Hold yeah. up. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so it, it we really didn't think about it too much outside of, you know, those kinds of things. But we did have this one moment uh, where it kind of, at least for me, for sure, uh, certainly as a, as a pastor and as mm -hmm. a dad, a father to a, a black son, Mm -hmm. uh, we had this one moment where we were in a meeting, uh, caseworkers were there, family was there, um, and, you know, we're just kind of going back and forth, kind of debating, I guess, you know, what's best for the kids. And one of the people there looked across the table at me, uh, looked me straight in the eye, and he's like, how are you going to teach these kids about black culture? And uh... that day, we, we had no, I, 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 I'll speak for me. I had no idea what that question even meant. Right. Right. It. I'm yeah. like, what do you even mean it? And so I'm sure I gave some kind of ridiculous answer, like, well, you know, we 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 celebrate Martin Luther, Martin Luther King's yeah. birthday. <laughs> you know, Black History Month. Yeah. Like, yeah. Kind of, sort of, maybe. You know, that kind of deal. Right. But I remember walking away from that and just thinking to myself, man, I don't. That felt like a big question. Yeah. Uh, and I don't even know what that even means. I don't know what that mm -hmm. phrase means. Um, and I kind of recognized in that moment that it was a big deal that I knew nothing about. And so I, 
I need to start learning. I need to start yeah. doing a little bit of research on that. Um, and so, yeah, we did. We started talking with people, reading books, reading stories, uh, trying to understand what it what it means to be black in America. And how do I, mm -hmm. as a white man, mm -hmm. um, how do I raise a, a black child to become a man and keep them safe and yeah. all that. So that's that's been a crazy journey for us. Yeah. And so I'm sure that everything that's been going on in our country the last year and a half has hit you in a more personal way than maybe it it would have previous to having the kids. Yeah. Would you agree? I mean, I'm, I'm... Well, I, I remember um, last year, I think it was April, um, was Am Ahmaud Arbery. Yeah. It was this young man, good looking young black man down in uh, Atlanta area. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the, the story is irrelevant. What actually happened as far as, you know, he was going for a jog or he was not going for a jog. Um, what I remember seeing was that here's a young man who looks an awful lot like my son mm. and just thinking, gosh, he gets gunned down in the middle of the street with a shotgun. Um, two vigilante white men um, just took it upon themselves to make a certain assumptions about him and decided vigilante justice was the way to go. And they shot him dead in the street. And I'm just, I just remember thinking, gosh, that could have been my son. That could have been Malachi. And it was, it was gut-wrenching to see it, to watch the, the the footage, watch the video, and just... To see Christian's responses to it sometimes. Well, that was the yeah. hardest part, probably, actually. It was very hard. Yeah. It was very angry. Because for us, it wasn't political. Right. It was truly a matter of life and death. It was truly um, a, a concern of safety for our children. Like, we're sending yeah. our kids out into this world where just because of the color of their skin yep. um, they're, they're treated in a different a different way and we've we've got many other stories about how this has affected us yeah. as a family and how, how the kids have been treated and things like that but you know it it puts a different perspective on it when when it's your life that's on the line you know yeah because especially you know while this is happening you know malachi's not a one-year-old like right. he's a teenage boy yeah. like you know like he's a big kid so yeah, he's 18 this year, so he's yeah. driving and in a car. Yeah. And, you know, we've had different talks with him than we have some of our other kids. Oh, man. For sure. We use yeah. Life 360. We can, you know, kind of keep track of where our kids are and mm -hmm. tell us how fast, how fast they're driving and whatnot. But I spend a lot of nights when Malachi's out at his girlfriend's house or just hanging out with his buddies. Um, I'll spend many nights just following him on Life 360. Just please, Lord, don't let him stop. Yeah. Put your hood down. Stop driving. Put your hood down. Do not drive around with your hood up. Do, yeah. do not turn those LED lights on inside of your car that he yeah. got the fun for his right. birthday while you're right. driving around. Do not do that. But I mean, I, these are all things that I would never say to yeah. Sadie. Right. Yeah. Who's also driving. <sighs> I mean, that's heavy. That's a lot. You know, I mean, that's like a huge burden, obviously, for you guys to to carry and obviously you love your kids yeah. really really well well and that's these are not fears that we grew up with right you know, i'm yeah. a i'm a six foot two white man who yeah. has gotten pulled over before and my first instinct is how can i talk my way out of this mm -hmm. you know and i've had i've had several occasions where i get pulled over for speeding or whatever and i'm sitting fumbling in my glove 
glove compartment, looking for my paperwork, which is usually very disheveled, um, trying to find my insurance and my registration. Yeah. And I had never thought about what it would feel like to be a black man in that situation where mm -hmm. if you're fumbling in your glove compartment, it's likely that you will be targeted um, and, and that that police officer certainly could think that you are fumbling for something else, you know? Um, and that's just not how I needed to be raised. These are not conversations that I had to have with my dad, you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm sure the learning curve for you guys has been really steep. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's just a whole different thing, you know, yeah. like, um, and so, I mean, I applaud you obviously for doing that work of like digging in and figuring that out, you know, and, um that's just it's incredible i mean it's heavy it tell us about some of the beautiful things that have come to you i mean obviously like yay we love our kids but like tell me about like the beautiful things that have come from just expanding your family like this yeah um we are pretty tight-knit the kids yeah. uh we've started to disband a little bit because we have three now driving but up until the driving part we really spent all of our time together and um, the kids always got along from day one. It was just a very, there was no territorial stuff. Um, it just was very natural and wonderful yeah. and seeing them playing together. Just, I love it. My, our little one has a special affinity for Malachi mm. even now. So um, seeing the two of them together is just beautiful. Yeah. yeah um it's it's been a um an 11 year party at our house yeah. Yeah. at all times which that's more my love language uh yeah, yeah. probably but uh you know there's there's always something going on it's it, it's starting to look a little bit different like Harry was saying they're driving they're working they're yeah. playing sports you know but for a long time it was just a lot of togetherness yeah playing games either in the house or playing basketball in the driveway or yeah. you know there's always something happening at the Cords household. <laughs> hey, that's fun. Six kids. I mean, it's crazy. It's busy. I'm sure it's stressful, but it's fun. Yeah. And now I know how to cook for 12 people at a time. So exactly. Cool. <laughs> you can really capitalize on that. You guys just open a restaurant. When your kids move out, you should just make your house into like a bed and breakfast. An Airbnb. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you got this. I love it. Thank you guys so much for sharing your story with us. I mean, that's beautiful. There were so many details I did not even know. I mean, that, and we could go on for hours more. Yeah. There's a, I have, honestly, I would love to have you guys back to talk more about uh, just the racial stuff. Like, I know that we could go on forever about that, but I'm like work, it's like a personal goal of mine to make my episodes not go on for two hours, like some of them did and whatever. So <laughs> we're going to end this and say that we're going to have you guys back. But I want to end on like a lighter note. Tell me about... Your favorite TV shows? Do you guys watch together? Do you like the same TV shows? Scott and I can never find a show that we like together. Yeah, we, we, we've had a couple of shows over the years. We used to watch The Office together. Okay, yeah. Uh, uh, Parks and Rec. So we, the, the shows that we watch together are kind of light, uh, yes. funny, you know, uh, comic, like comical banter, that kind of thing. This says nothing about our marriage, but I would just prefer to go to my room and be quiet at the end of the day hey. and be alone. So I get it. We kind of, Carrie's an extroverted introvert, so <laughs> she kind of puts herself out there during the day, but she does need to retreat to a little bit of alone time at the end of the day. 
Yes. The thing that's crazy is like, I'm very, very extroverted, but since having kids, I have felt like so much more of a need for like quiet and alone. And like a lot of times at night, like Scott will be like, do you want to watch something? And I'm like, can we not talk though? Like, you know what I mean? Like whatever we're doing, like, cause it's just like, and I only have two children. I can't imagine yeah, I having sex. Like one of the harder things is my house is always a party. Always. Yeah. And as the kids get older, the party just goes later and later. Oh my gosh. That, that would be hard. still partying. I just have to go to bed. Yeah. So that's tough because at least like with little kids, like Scott and I have bedtime to look forward to, you know what I mean? We're like, okay, eight o'clock bedtime. Thank God we made it. It's like when your kids are older, there's no bedtime. Yeah. Well, and they're all the same age. So 19, 18, 17, 17, 17 now. <sighs> And then the 13 year old, like yeah. they're all in high school together around the same time. We so. still have bedtime though. We do. That's <laughs> we, amazing. What we do is we come together at nine o'clock and we pray together as a family yeah. and we say, Hey, up until that point, you guys can do whatever you want to do. But at nine o'clock on weekdays, it changes yeah. on weekends, but at nine o'clock, everybody has to go to your rooms and we don't care if you go to sleep right away. Yeah. Um, but you got to read a book or you're going to do a little bit of homework or whatever. I, oh, they turn their phones in. Oh, yeah. I like that. Yeah. Oh, I got to write this down because Scott and I need all the the <laughs> tips for when they get older. Because like yeah. already, I feel like sometimes I, I feel like it. our four year olds. I mean, oh, they, well, that's okay. <laughs> I, I feel like I, honestly, like my four year old, I feel like already has like manipulated us into things that we said we would never do. And I was like, we really need to like lock this down before she's a teenager because this is going to be like psychotic. <laughs> You do have to not lock it down because they're always one step ahead of you. Yes. That's the key, right? Is you have to just kind of recognize that and yeah. put some. Oh, yeah. If you could put as much to one of my kids, if you could put as much effort into math as you do trying to get around our systems that we have to keep you safe, it's so you'd be done with school already. You're so smart. It's so insane. I remember my mom yelling that at my sister one time. Like she was like, if you put as much effort into like memorizing a Bible verse as you do into memorizing that rap song, you just spout it out. Yeah. She was like, your whole life would be different. It's true. It's but what are you going to do? Well, Chords, thank you so much. We appreciate this so much. And I'm excited. I think we're hanging out this weekend. Yeah. I think we are. <laughs> I can't wait. So I love it. Thank you for taking the time to do this, honestly. Thanks for having us on. It's a pleasure. Thanks, Casey. Hey, thanks for joining us today. Don't forget to like and subscribe right now before you go. And hey, if you want to toss us a five-star rating, I would love you forever. Check us out next week for our next episode. You can catch So What Else anywhere you get your podcasts or at CaitlinElliott.com. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at so.what.else. Artwork by Caroline Chicola and editing and everything else by Scott Elliott. Thanks so much. We'll see you next week.